Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. All right, so today, before we get into the main topic of uh, UFAs, I just wanted to uh, kind of go back to last week and get our final thoughts on the finals now that we've played games um, and kind of go over how our predictions panned out. Uh, say la boo, Josh Anderson <laughs> coming through clutch last night. Uh, really some gutsy efforts from the Canadians, uh, forwards in particular, uh, throughout the game. So I, I, I was I was very impressed uh, they were able to gut that one out. I, I was going back and forth as to whether or not I thought that was going to happen. Uh, you know, Vasilevsky still playing great, Price playing great. Uh, it's been a fun series. I think it more than likely could be 2-2. Uh, I don't want to say it deserves to be 2-2. Uh, game 2 really a lot hinged on that. Uh, but it's nice to see them back off the mat a little bit. I'm a fool. I had uh, Montreal in six, and I I don't think that was, like, a terrible prediction. I just think that Montreal kind of ran out of steam and Tampa elevated to a whole other level that we hadn't even seen in previous rounds. So, I mean, I still still think Montreal is a really good team. Um, Obviously, Carey Price is a really good goalie, but... um, I can't foresee them coming back against a team like Tampa to to win in seven. I don't either. I mean, they're a ridiculous lineup. Maybe the best in the cap era. I, I think it has to be. They they have Stamkos. They have Kutrov. They have Point. They have Vasilevsky. Uh, they have these you know role players absolutely killing it and Coleman and Gaudreau, uh, an up and coming star and Sergachev. I mean, I think at this point he is one. Uh, the rest of their decor uh, stacked. We're going to talk about a couple of those guys going to UFA a little later, but one of the one of the most ingeniously constructed teams I've ever seen. Yes, they cheated to get there, but you have to give credit where credit's due. They look awesome. Uh, Montreal just happy to stay alive, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, if Montreal had another game, like if the next game was in Montreal, I think they'd have a really good shot of taking it. But I just don't think Tampa's going to lose. On home ice. They, I don't know. I, I'm not giving as much credit to home ice, I think, as you are. The, the reason is every <sighs> every arena this playoffs that has had fans has been electric. And I think it's just because um, people haven't seen hockey live in so long. I mean, we know. We went, we went even just round to a game in round one uh, against the Islanders, and it was the best game we've ever been to. And we've been to the Stanley Cup final. Like, that, the the electric crowd after not seeing live hockey for, what, a year and a half was just insane. And I think I think it's similar in every city. I like the... <laughs> they have a full arena. Whereas, yeah. Like, Montreal didn't. But I, I felt that Montreal... Their home crowd, whether it was thirty five hundred or significantly more than that, uh-huh. uh, they gave their team the will to win that fourth game yeah. in a way that Tampa's never been carried by their crowd that way. I don't, I don't mean to be mean, but you know they exited game two, and it looked like they 
you know, were, the fans were just leaving an afternoon brunch. Didn't look like, you know, they're on the verge of going back to back and Stanley Cup championships. I don't know. It, it's a difference in cultures. I'm used to some of these crazy, insane crowds you see up north of the border. And, you know, I, th- I think Montreal takes it to six. I think they lose on home ice and I think it's going to be heartbreaking. But, you know, I'll adjust my prediction if I can allow to do that <laughs> uh, to, to lightning in six. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say lightning in 5, I think. But um I guess we'll find out. We'll see uh, what happens tomorrow night. Yeah, go Habs. All right. So now to dig into our main topic of this week's episode. We're going to go over the Penguins UFAs for this off season. So the UFAs are Colton Sevier, Evan Rodriguez, Freddie Gaudreau, and Cody CC. Right off the bat, uh, out of those four, and I think there's one that is, is, is a no-brainer. Uh, I would like to re-sign Freddie Gaudreau for maybe a million, maybe a little under for two years. Yeah, I, I think Freddie is that perfect 13th forward. And especially because we're going to be missing Malkin for, you know, an unforeseen amount of time at the beginning of the season, depending on how he's recovering. I think he's great because he can slot in anywhere. I mean, we've seen him play center a lot of the year, and then we also saw him play wing in the playoffs. And, I mean, I I think he looked better at wing even than at center. And I think his natural position is center. Correct. Yeah. So I just think that's the kind of player that you want in your system because it's very rare, you know, all 12-year forwards are going to be healthy. So he's going to play a ton, and we saw that he is fully capable of being in the bottom six. For whatever reason, you know, Sevier, he started off really poorly, and he got a little bit better as the season went on. I, I just don't think you can waste a roster spot on a Agreed. purely penalty, penalty kill-centric forward anymore. Agreed. Uh, unless, you're, unless you're dreadful. But, you know, he when we, the Pens were struggling early in the season, he was on that unit, and, yeah. you know, it didn't help a ton. And Rodriguez, I'd never been a fan of Edmund Rodriguez. Uh, I... I think he's one of those players you can make a case for, again, as like that 12th, 13th forward. You know, some nights he looked like he was piecing it all together, and then other nights it just looks like he was just completely unsure of where he belonged or fit on the team. So, I mean, I think if it's a very cost-effective one-year deal, they may do it. I don't I don't particularly like it. I would rather do a Freddie Cudreau, but I think that's something that may happen well the reason i lean towards gaudreau is i think gaudreau will have less interest around the league simply because you know he's not necessarily an established nhl player in the same way that rodriguez was or sevier was so i think that'll bring the price down and he'll be willing to sign a two-year deal that brings the you know the cap hit down you know a hundred thousand dollars yeah as opposed to a one-year deal again um and he proved himself there were there was an interesting article about him you know trying to find a new nhl home and talking with Max Talbot. Uh, yeah, he and, he really... Max, like, kind of took him under the wing, I think, this year, under his wing. And I think he really, really liked being in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I, I hope we make make a point to sign him again. I don't even know what, what they're thinking on that at all. Uh, and, you know, he's one of those smaller guys, and you say, oh, just, well, we just need another smaller guy. He's, he's so versatile. He's exactly what you want uh, in that spare forward position. I don't think you need to sign as many spare forwards and D as he did coming into this year with the taxi squad situation. Now, the taxi squad, as far as I know, 
should exist in some capacity, but I just don't feel like it's going to play as pivotal a role as it did this year. So players like Sevier and Rodriguez, maybe they come back in August and after well, they don't get a deal. And the other reason we're not going to sign all these players again, I mean, despite their play, is because, one, we have people in the pipeline, mm-hmm. we have forwards in the pipeline that are going to fight for roster spots at camp. And then we also have the opportunity to sign some UFAs around the league. Mm-hmm. So I, I think both of those reasons are a reason that we wouldn't sign Sevier and Rodriguez. So just on the forward end of things, uh, off the top of my head, you got Bellarif, you got Angelo, you have Zahorna, you have Sam Poulin, and Nathan Legare. So there's there's five forwards that all will be in the Wilkes-Barre upper line mix. But and- I would say at least one of them is going to make the team. I think they have to. I, I think you have to give a spot to a younger player. Yeah, and I just think, you know, they're all going to come out flying at camp, and mm-hmm. it's going to be like one of those battles we saw a couple years ago with the Wilkes-Barre guys, like who, you know, who's going to make the team. And I I mean, whether they stay there or not, I think we're going to have some really good, some good competition coming into camp. The UFA on this list, for me, that's, kind of the one who is going to get away, but we don't really have a choice, is Cody CC, obviously. Uh, Cody CC surpassed all of our expectations, and it's a shame that we're going to lose him, but the dude deserves to get paid after the season he just had, and we simply can't afford him. No, I mean, he's he's one of those guys who's going to play bottom-pairing minutes for most of the year. You're trying to make room for Joseph. Uh, yes, he's a right-hander, so... You, you know, you might get into a bit of a regret situation, and we're going to discuss when we talk about the names who are out there as a replacement for him. But you can't afford to give a guy like that $3 million for four years or whatever he's going to get out there on the open market. And people will say, that's crazy amount there. Cody CC's not going to get that. He absolutely will. He is, and if you just look at last season – in a vacuum he absolutely deserves that Mm -hmm. and i hope he gets a contract where he can go be somewhere for a couple years but you also might get the past code of cc so it's it is definitely a gamble for whatever team decides to to do it uh i just can't see us being that team um maybe he takes a discount but either way you're gonna get locked into that term and like you said there's risk there yeah and and at the end of the day we we need to spend our money elsewhere, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be the the decision. I'm leaning in that direction as well. I definitely think the front office has inquired about him returning, but he's at this point in his career, he needs to get he needs to get term, and I can't blame him for that. No, he, not at all. You know, maybe it's two five at four years, but he's going to get a few years, and we just to me that just doesn't make sense. I agree with For our current situation. Yeah, and I think it'll be one of those things, like you said, we might regret down the line. But just looking at our situation currently, I can't foresee us signing him. All right, so uh, moving on away from the Penguins UFAs, we want to kind of discuss UFAs around the league in all the categories, goalie, forward, and defense. So I think first we should discuss what our cap situation looks like and how that's going to play a huge role in what we're going to be able to do this off season. All right. So I tried to go with what 
I thought was realistic in terms of best case scenario to go try to get a big name UFA or mid-tier UFA. So I re-signed Aston Reese and Bluger, um, just under two mil for both. Signed minor league contracts for Lindgren, Militech, Zahorna, and Bjorkvist. Re-signed Gaudreau for 950 for two years. Yeah, acquisitions and transitions. Uh, dump Marcus Pedersen to Buffalo, though it could be any team. We're probably going to have to add our fifth round pick this year, so we might be very light on picks just to sweeten that deal. And there's a couple options. Uh, you know, at that point, we would have 6.5 left. If we decided we wanted to go and, or 6.7, I believe. So if we wanted to go dump Tristan Jerry beyond those, those basic kind of moves that I'm expecting, you know, then we would add another 3.5 on top of that. So, yeah, so some options. The team will look at as such. It'll be Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Poulin, uh, Malkin, Kapanen. McCann, Carter, Tanev, Aston Reese, Bluger, Gaudreau. Uh, and in this scenario, we're we're going to say Jason Zucker gets taken. Yes. In the expansion draft. Which I think is a safe bet considering their I agree. forward needs. Um, on D, Matheson, Latang, Dumoulin, Marino, Joseph, Friedman. Um, and Annette, either Jerry and DeSmith or DeSmith and whomever we get in a trade. <laughs> With scratches being Ruedel, Bellarive, uh, and potentially Angelo. All right. So when looking over rumors, and there honestly hasn't been a lot, I think we just recently saw that the Penguins might be linked to Grubauer, which is really interesting considering he's probably going to want a relatively long deal and a lot of money. So obviously if this is something that could happen... Tristan Jerry's gone. How? I guess is the question. Right. So I don't know if this has any merit at all, but it's definitely interesting to look at. But when you look at the other UFA goalies that are available, I think a lot of them could replace Tristan Jerry. There's a lot of options. And it'll be interesting to see what we do. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, a goaltending carousel as there's been in past years. Uh, come this time probably the biggest we've ever seen I just it's it's going to be very unwieldy there's gonna be a lot of backups changing places but there's also just some long-term goaltenders like Rask is gone from Boston Rene is gone from Nashville Mike Smith should be re-signing in, in Edmonton um, but there's a bunch of other goalies that have been long tenured that are just gonna not be in their normal team so it should be interesting to me Grubauer doesn't make any sense you're gonna be paying that guy seven mil so you basically have room to do absolutely nothing other than get spare forwards. So, you know, I, I could easily see him getting seven mil. He's a Vesna finalist. So even if you get you find a way to trade Jerry, trade Pedersen, lose Zucker, you're still right up against it and can do nothing else. Right. Is Grubauer that good? Uh, he was this year. Maybe not for the next four years. It, and and he may be slightly better than Morazic um, or Aranta. But is he that much better? There is one name out there that's really interesting, which is uh, Dredger from the Panthers. He played like a number one goalie for most of the year. He was phenomenal. I do think Seattle will take him, even though he's a pending UFA, simply to try to get him to be their goalie. That would be the smart play. A lot of people have rumored that. Yeah, and there's some other there's some other interesting names out there, like James Reimer, who played tandem with Morazic, uh, Linus Olmark. They both struggled a bit at different times, but 
they both have solid career numbers, so they're options. If I had to pick one, if we were able to dump Jerry, I would go for uh, Ronta or Mrazek. I think Mrazek might push into the five mil range, might be a little rich for our blood. Uh, Ranta, probably sub four mil, and he's got two really decent seasons behind him, better than we've had from Jari. I think the main reason I'm not going to pick one is because I think with all of these options for all of the other teams, who in the world is going to look at Jerry's postseason and say, no, we don't want these guys. We want that guy. So I just, I don't see us getting rid of Jerry just simply because we can't get rid of Jerry. So I think it's all fun to talk about all of these options, but I think all of these players will be elsewhere but not in pittsburgh even if that is the case and it very well may be because jerry may not have any takers this is probably the best chance you're going to have to find a decent goaltender out on the ufa market yes there's competition but there's also a lot of options you just got bounced in the first round again mainly because your goaltending was horrific i I think you got to try i really do so whether it's ronta Mrazek, or you're going for a big name like grubauer or go with a veteran like Rene or Rask, I, I think you got to start inquiring real hard uh, because this was the reason you lost. So if you don't keep that at the forefront of your mind as Ron Hextel, I think you're doing a disservice to the team. So for forwards, see, this is where I think things are kind of um, exciting. There's a lot of interesting forwards out there. Obviously, a lot of them we could never afford and you know we never would go after them. But uh, I think it's interesting that Washington hasn't sealed the deal yet with Ovechkin. You wonder if Ovechkin thinks he doesn't have a chance of winning another cup with Washington. And this is all just me just thinking, but I think it's interesting. I I feel like we would never let Sid Ogino go this long. Well, I mean... I mean, we're about to find out next year with, with Gino, but... I don't know. I think it's interesting that there. We haven't heard anything. And really. Landis, Landis Cog's out there too, and he's yeah. younger. They're cap. They're cap strapped. And I also think, for both those teams, I think there may be a little bit of gamesmanship going on with the Seattle expansion draft. They may wait to lock those guys up until the they don't have to waste a protection slot on them. It lets them protect an extra forward in both instances. And I but- think. But that you makes really a lot think of sense. They're gonna just leave Alex Ovechkin out there as a UFA. All that all that Seattle will I'm, get to do is is talk to him for another week. I mean, is that worth it as a risk for you if you're Seattle? Maybe. I just I just think that's interesting. I guess they could just be. I think there's a wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge situation right, happening. Right, right. So, so, who out there do you think the Pens might go after? Uh, I think you clued in on, on Brandon Saad. I think that might be an interesting low or buy low situation. Yeah, Brandon Saad was the first one when I saw the list that popped out at me. And we've kind of been talking about him coming to Pittsburgh, you and me, for a long time. Because he's local. He's from he's from the area. And every time he gets traded to another team or signs with another team, we're kind of like, hmm, wonder why we didn't go after him. Well, I was frustrated when I think we took... Derek Pouliot, uh, instead of him, that was a Shiro pick, and it, it busted out pretty much. I mean, Pouliot was still maybe hanging around. But, you know, Saad, we actually did try to get him from Columbus, and Columbus wouldn't trade with us. Now, this is a different regime, but uh, there's been mutual interest there. He's one of those grindy type of forwards, 
but we also know that he can score, score 30 goals in a season. So if you're looking for a cheap Zucker replacement who is maybe a little bit more hard-nosed, also on the right side of 30, you might be able to snag him for $3 million. I, I don't know. I, I, I think the fit makes a ton of sense. He's, he's, he could be cheap. Uh, he has a lot of upside, and he's local. So it, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. The other one I like, and this is just a dream, is Bobby Ryan. I I would love Bobby Ryan to find a home where he can become a hockey player again. I just feel like he's had so much going on in his personal life, and he's gotten, you know, bounced around from bad team to bad team now. I, I just think he would thrive somewhere like Pittsburgh where the locker room seems to be pretty mellow, and I think people would just let him be himself. And I think maybe someone like Sid would be such a good, like, mentor almost for him. And I think he would just be a really great player for us. Bobby Ryan's a saint. I, I'm, yeah. I'm in love with the guy. I think yeah. he's great. And I, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it's just one of those things that would be really cool you to know, see. He does use his frame in an interesting way. He does have that kind of power forward mentality. Yes, he doesn't bull rush people, but he protects the puck like you saw those players in the 90s do it. And puck protection is a big part of where folks thought we needed to improve once we got into the offensive zone. Uh, he's certainly good at that. He's also got a wicked release still. He's got some game left in him. We saw it in Detroit this year. So I think he's an interesting name as well. I think you definitely pick up the phone for him, uh, especially if you can get him under $4 million or under four five. He He got bought out, right? Previously, yeah, by Ottawa. And, uh, is he still getting paid? By Ottawa, I believe so. So he might be willing to take a smaller deal for a shot at a for, cup. Yeah, for and for a team that he might feel valued. I mean, I'm not. I don't know anything about Detroit and their organization, but I can't see how you could lose that much and feel okay about yourself and your and your team and your play. So being on a successful team might do him wonders for his. For his career, I don't, I don't know about that. But. He seemed, he seemed to be embracing the mentor role himself there with yeah. some of your younger prospects coming up from Grand Rapids. So I guess it really does come down to what his motivation is as a player. Do, right. you, do you want to win a cup or, or have another shot at it, uh, or do you want to, you know, settle down with where you've been and where you can be the the mentor for now, the next gen? Do you think Taylor Hall is going to resign in Boston? I don't. Uh, I think I think the word may be out that Boston, their window is pretty much done. Could he resign there? Yeah, they're just you know Rask is leaving, Krejci may be leaving. The, you know Bergeron's not getting any younger, Marchand's you know not getting any younger. They they got some great players, but they got some big holes to fill. Uh, they might be one of the more active teams this deadline, but Hall, if I'm him, you you want to go to somebody where you can go improve yourself in the playoffs because. So where does he go, you think? Uh, I have no idea. That's uh, why I'm asking. I'm not sure. I mean, if, if we're really trying to double who, down on the speed thing, he's definitely someone, again... But who has the money to pay him? Because you know he's going to want the big bucks. Does, Even though he doesn't really deserve it after the year he had. But I mean, but he's also, made a ton of money already. Well, and you have to look at Buffalo. Like, a lot of their issues this year weren't their fault. They had a lot of really bad COVID issues early on. Jack Eichel was injured. He obviously doesn't want to be there. 
So I can't blame it all on Taylor Hall. Like, obviously, he's not the reason their team was horrible. But... I mean, he had, like, a 1% shooting percentage for, like, a month and a half. He's going to have to take less money than he wants. So... Yeah. It'll be... He's been to a lot... When you really think about it, he's been a lot of places in a very short amount of time. Which, like, as we are seeing now with, like, Phil Kessel, that's not good. No. You know, if teams just kind of discard you that easily... You might be the problem. So that'll be really interesting to watch out for, to kind of see where he lands. I know that this is this was a much maligned pan move at the time because Hall went on to win an MVP, but uh, the trade between the Oilers and the Devils, uh, where the Devils traded Adam Larson to them for Taylor Hall, well, looks like the Oilers actually made out. They have their best defenseman, who we're going to talk about in a second, for a guy that's not even on the Devils anymore. So, who knows? Everybody's laughing at the time, but, you know, sometimes you need to take a longer look at trades and transactions. Okay, so real quick here before we move to defense, then, um, if we are going to go after a big forward, who do you think we target? I mean, the three big names that are out there are Vetchkin, Landis, Cog, Hyman. I don't see us going after any of them. I really don't. I, I can't envision. I would love to go after Landis, Cog. I think, well, I think everyone would love to go after Landis Cog. I just can't imagine him leaving. I really can't. Not only that, it's we can't afford him. That also. Yeah, because he could easily get 8-plus as well. So, is there anyone else you think we might target who is on the larger side for, for our forward core? Uh, Coleman's not on the larger side, but he's having a really gritty clutch playoff. He reminds me of uh, you know Rust. In, in a few ways. I just think he's going to get overpaid and there's going to be a bidding war over it. There always is with the cup champions. Joel Armia, another player who's in the final right now. A big dude. I could see us take a flyer on him, see what he's asking for. Uh, he's 6'3", 212, and he's been very useful for the Canadians in getting them uh, in the offensive zone for long periods of time. Another retread, uh, Riley Shahan. He's also 6'3". No. And- 214. No. He doesn't play like it. He's not a bad player, but he's certainly not the physicality that we're looking for. Also, we don't need that Buffalo confidence up in our space. I feel like I don't want anyone from Buffalo. Yeah, I mean... After the year they had. There's not... It, it's not easy to go find, you know... Don't need that negativity in our lives. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I wasn't the biggest detractor of his... If it's on a very sh- cheap contract for a year, I'd be willing to try that out. But he, he just never seemed to throw his weight around like the frame he had. Yeah. All right, so on defense, there is a dire need to get a right-handed defenseman uh, to replace Cody CC. It looks like we're going to have, uh, you know, five left-handers and one right-hander in Latang, which is really problematic. Friedman can play both pretty well, but we need to get a right-hander who can play regular minutes. So I'm going to list off the right-handers who were out there who are kind of interesting. Uh, we have Dougie Hamilton, uh, David Savard, uh, Michael Stone. We have Luke Shen, Brandon Montour, Travis Hamanick, Zach Bogosian, Yori Hockenpah, Jason Demers, Ty Barry, and Adam Larson. I'm going to eliminate Larson uh, because I think Edmonton is going to lock up a deal with him in the next couple of days. They should. They uh, but, desperately need defense. And Barry is interesting because he's an offensive force. Uh, he 
played well this year. Nice bounce back year. But he's 5'11". Too small. And we don't really need somebody to drive the offense on the third pairing. We need somebody who can, you know, really hit people. <laughs> we can't we can't downgrade from Cody Cece on that front, I don't think. Um, and there's no internal options there. So we need to assign one of these guys. Hamilton, I'm going to eliminate right off the bat. He's huge. He hits people. He scores. We he, can never afford him. He does everything. I think Carolina would be insane not to resign him. I think they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. I'd be very shocked if they don't give him $8 million for many, many years. They're going to have to make that work. So who else is left, really? Savard, we're seeing him uh, in Tampa. Uh, he was traded there from Columbus. He's 233 pounds, uh, over six foot. But his offensive game has really fallen off a cliff this year. Also, uh, if he's going to be expecting a lot of money, wouldn't you rather put that towards Cody Cece? I mean, Savard... Personally, I would. Savard in his career, don't get me wrong, I mean, he he played some big minutes for Columbus over the years, some big minutes. But this year, his his net uh, goals above replacement on the offensive side of things, negative uh, 11.4. A replacement-level player would have, you know, just your average, average player, would have had 11 more goals scored when they were on the ice. So... That's horrific. Uh, that can't happen uh, in such a short season, over 54 games that he played. Uh, and on a good teams, too. Blue Jackets weren't terrible, and the Lightning were amazing. So he definitely should have been okay, and he was not. He also isn't a huge hitter. Uh, he used to be many years ago. Uh, he has not done that in quite some time. So how, how old is he? What is he, 30 now? Yeah, he's 30 years, 8 months. Oh, that's not horrible, but... I, I worry about... A little old for our aging core, I think. I agree, and I also worry about the the effect of the cup final. I always feel like your players on your top, final two teams, final four teams, are going to be inflated. Because people are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Every every manager in the, in the league is watching and saying, well, I want that guy. I mean, I think I mentioned this before, but my first thought is always Nick Bonino. Like, yep. The Predators overpaid him. And Nick Bonino is a good player. He's also a UFA. But <laughs> he was not worth what they gave him. And the reason we couldn't re-sign him is because he was inflated. UFA time is, is where you need to be careful. I think the same situation with Bogosian is, you know, he's 31, not a big hitter. He's really not driving the offense the way he used to. His defensive metrics for Toronto weren't great. So I would eliminate him as well, even though I did like his game a couple years back. But he, he's starting to show the wear and tear. Uh, there's other options like we could go for you know dirt cheap, try to pick up Travis Hamanek for like under two million. He didn't have a horrific year in Vancouver, but he only played 38 games. He only played 50 games the year before. You know he's you know able to play 19 minutes a night and not be a total liability. So I think if, if all the other options are gone, he'd be interesting. He's he's solid defensively. He gets the job done, no more, no less. He's not going to hit people through a wall anymore, though I will mention a few years back uh, when the Islanders were in their heyday of just smashing everything that moved, he did have a 180-hit season or something. So it's possible if you, if you tell him to go hit people, he may, but it's not his game anymore. I, I think ultimately by, you know, looking at all of this, it's kind of scary because there's not really a lot of good options out there 
And it starts to make you think, should we try to find a way to re-sign Cody CC? Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. This uh, is this is going to be the hardest job yeah. for management this offseason, I think. It's finding finding someone who, who can play that. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and uh, some friends in advanced stat community are going to blow me up for this one. I think we should go after Yanni Hockenpah. Yes, he's a recent transplant from Europe. Yes, you know, maybe he's overvalued because of his size. But the dude's massive. He's six foot five, two eighteen. You know, people, you know, when the Ducks brought him over, there was a lot of promise. You know, he got traded to the Hurricanes. He he never really got his his groove, but that's a really great defensive core you gotta find your your way into. Also, we we have a good way of rehabbing defenseman he had what is it 215 hits in 50 some games this year he can move the puck not great but he's not a liability and he can be out there for 18 to 20 minutes a night i also don't think he's going to cost that much um maybe two million uh, maybe even less if you're lucky yes he he's a kind of a gamble but you know who else was cody cc and we're not going to be paying him for five seasons we only need to pay him for right. one or two he might take it yeah and when we have other defense in our system that are on these longer contracts and we're still paying jack johnson we need someone who can we can sign for a year or two at most we we can't have more money tied up three four or five years down the line yeah and i think part of his problem too in terms of getting confidence is some of the, he was out there oftentimes with the third and fourth lines, and the Hurricanes were a great team, but those lines did get cold at times. We saw it happen in the playoffs as well. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's partly he's not an offensive defenseman, which wasn't isn't what he's there for, and what isn't what we need him to do. And it's partly because the guys in front of him weren't burying some of their chances that maybe they should have. I, I I would take a flyer on him. He's an interesting in, player. Interesting question: Who would you pair him with on our team? I think you would go with one of the more mobile guys. I think you could easily... Like Matheson? I mean, Matheson, those guys are absolutely humongous well, together. Well, the reason <laughs> Matheson and CC were just a match made in heaven. So I think Matheson might take a small step back next year mm-hmm. because he's going to have to adjust to a new partner. But I think ultimately... Matheson needs to be on our second pairing, and anyone out of this list that we sign would need to be on our third. Yeah, and I think Hockenpah can do both in case of injury, but I don't think you, you would really want to push him above 20, 21 minutes a night. Right. Because right. then I think you're going to see some diminishing returns. He's just, you know, he's he's also 29, you know, so does he have a ton of time to figure it out? Not really, but his defensive metrics aren't terrible. 29 isn't horribly old for a defenseman no and you know with that frame they, and how cheap he is, could be is older than you know a forward so you know and there's there's some interesting left-hand guys out there uh we were laughing because you know jamie alexiak's out there ian cole's out there they're both big bodies uh but we just don't need another lefty we just don't right. um right. so you know i think you have your options savard hamannick bogosian maybe Shen was terrible. I, I Stone was pretty terrible. I don't think you can go with either of them. Good, uh, Erica Branson's out there. He was also god awful. So. I guess the the other you know, question here is, 
do we possibly make a trade? Do is that how is there is there a non UFA defenseman that they have their eyes on? I don't know the answer to that, but um, maybe maybe that's an option as well. It is. Um, Hextel hasn't necessarily been the biggest trading GM. And we yeah. know that he's going to try to stay stationary. With this many names out there, I feel like you really just have to just take a shot on somebody. Yeah. You know, Hamannick and Bogosian are cheap, but they have issues. They're getting old. And then Hockenpah, not quite as old, a little bigger, absolute monster of a hitter, but, you know, a little bit more risk. So I think those are the directions you can go. You can get into a bidding war with Savard, but th- there's not a plethora of great options. There's a ton of defensemen out there, which I think will keep the prices low, thankfully, for the Penguins. You know, if Adam Larson, God forbid, makes it to UFA, we should be putting a lot of eggs in that basket. He'll probably get more than we can give him, but I think we should at least try to entice him. But I expect Edmonton will grab him. So we're going to have to try to find some some larger players who are not going to be a net negative. You don't want to go get another Erica Branson no. and uh, no, no, no. Uh, have regret because he can't play in your, uh, in your regular roster night in, night out without being a liability. And I think the other main thing to talk about when you're signing one of these people, we need to put it in their head right from the start that they're, one of their main responsibilities is to throw their body around. Yeah. Because I feel like so many times we sign bigger people and then they come here and they play like the rest of our team. Nick Bukestad comes to mind. Well, and um, I'm even thinking of like Ryan Reeves. Yeah. How many times was Ryan Reeves on the ice for us? And I'm like, go hit someone. Go fight someone. Like, that's the whole reason. We, we traded a first round pick for him. And, uh, what's his name? The Blues guy. Oscar Sunquist. Yeah, Sunquist. Like, we traded a lot for Ryan Reeves, and then we just traded him again. Like, it was, it was that same season. And I think it's because we didn't, we weren't up front with his role. Yeah. Like, your role wasn't to be an offensive dynamite on, on the Penguins. We have plenty of those. And it's, it's kind of confusing, too. They need to be clear about, if they're gonna go out and spend money on a big guy, the big guy needs to be... A big guy on the ice. That yeah, seems they need obvious, to... but it hasn't been in the past. I, I think that might be a disconnect between Rutherford, Sullivan, and the players that are coming in because there were so many moving parts. I feel I, like I think I think some that messages were lost. Is gonna be solved because of the way our new management looks at bigger players. Yeah, I I don't think that was even on the mind of Rutherford. I think we went out and got Ryan Reeves because our players were like, we need someone who's going to fight when Tom Wilson tries to take our head off. Yeah. I don't think we were ever a, a team that w- had a, a big guy mentality. Now, if I had to put money on which one I think they'll go after, I think it's going to be Travis Hammond. Simply because there's a connection there with Brian Burke. Gotcha. Uh, I. He's not necessarily, you know, a big truculent guy, but, you know, when Calgary acquired him, you know, they were dealing with the, some of the same scouting reports that Burke had had, and, you know, they really liked the player. So I could definitely see that. I could see Bogosian. I don't know how good our scouting is, uh, our pro scouting is at this point. I know we just lost an analytics Ooh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, we should, 
we should talk about that. Uh, yeah. Sam I was Ventura. saying all that bad stuff about not wanting that buffalo juju, and then he just was like, peace, going buffalo. Yeah, that hurts. That... It does. I don't think anyone expected that. I certainly didn't. Sam Ventura is one of the best in the game. He he really did put out thoughtful insight. He he guided the team to making smart decisions, not overpaying anybody really at all, other than Jack Johnson. And I think I think we definitely need to make one or two hires and make that a priority because if we just go off of gut instinct and instead go in the opposite direction, the anti-analytic direction, and you know look at goals and assists and who's really hot and who, whose names are, are on everybody's that, list, that, that will backfire. It doesn't work in this league anymore. No. You need... Too many people are down and dirty in the analytics. Yep. You you could really get yourself into a longer-term contract that would sting. You don't want to go after a name like Chalmerson or somebody who's on the decline just because they're a name. Right. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the, the UFA talk. We... We'll be also doing some draft episodes coming soon. And if you guys want to hear us talk about anything or dig into anything, let us know. We are always down to do some research and, you know, form our opinions based off of what you guys want to hear. We um, will need some content ideas moving forward as as the summer kind of plays out before we get into to camp. So, yeah, just let us know. We'd be happy to dig into whatever you guys are interested in. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Uh, We will be back next week with some draft talk. Bye. Bye.